Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome into the Gramlich and McLean podcast brought to you by Duke's Mayo. It is a Friday. It is a bowl preview pod. We're going to talk about three really big bowls, Mac. And Mac would like to update you on the upcoming schedule here on the Gramlick and Mac Lane podcast brought to you by Dukes Mayo. Mac, take the floor. Come on, KG. Well, we've got a lot of stuff going on, guys. So we thought that this would be a nice kind of time to, you know, just do a little housekeeping. Keep, keep the house in order, if you will. So as KG said, today we are going to continue our ACC bowl game preview just breaking down all the bowl games. And today we're covering the Clemson Tigers. There's so many different things going on with Clemson, and they're playing in the Cheez-It Bowl, Wake Forest in the Gator Bowl, uh, and then last but not least, Miami in the Sun Bowl. A bunch of things going on with Miami as well. So super excited to break those down. Uh, bad news, sad news, guys. We're going to be off all Christmas break. I think that uh, Kelly has earned it. She works too hard. So we're going to give her the week off. She's a great employee here of the oh, uh, Mac, great. I'm Mac so Lane honored. podcast here. So we're going to be off for Christmas, but the following Monday, December 27th, we will be releasing the Duke's Mayo Bowl preview. And guys, it is freaking loaded with big time guests. KG, can I, can I peel back the curtain and let the oh, people know who's coming on? By all means, yeah. So guys, if you're a North Carolina Tar Heel fan, we finally got to speak with the goat of goats, we got Sam him. Howe. We got him. And he was fantastic. You guys are not going to want to miss that. We will also, if there are somehow, before this episode comes out, if there are any South Carolina fans that listen, we have your commander-in-chief coming on. Coach Beamer. Cannot wait for you guys to hear that episode. Coach Beamer is fantastic. Obviously, has been on a tear on the recruiting trail in the transfer portal, making mm -hmm. some big-time noise. We break all that down with Coach. And then, last but not least, we have the executive director of the Charlotte Football Foundation, who also does a big-time involvement with the uh, the bowl game there, the Dukes-Mayo Bowl. Danny Morrison is going to come on. He's going to preview a little bit of the bowl, why it's so important to Charlotte, and uh, it, it's loaded up, guys. So all that and, of course, analysis of the Dukes-Mayo Bowl. We'll be breaking it down more than uh, – Probably anybody could imagine one bowl game. So an entire episode, oh, yeah. Monday, December 27th, we'll be breaking it all down. You will get everything that you need to know about the Dukes-Mayo Bowl. Super excited about that. And yeah, Shane Beamer, he's been out there. He's been recruiting. He's been uh, recruiting a little bit. Killing so we'll, we'll talk to him about that. Speaking of the Dukes-Mayo Bowl, we have some awesome news for our listeners. We are giving away two club-level tickets for the Duke's Mayo Bowl and some awesome surprise gifts from our great friends over at Duke's Mayo. It's super simple. If you like mayo and you want to see great football, you like and retweet our post and tell us who you would bring with you in the comments if you won these two tickets. You like, you retweet, and you reply to the tweet. Tell us who you'd bring. There are unlimited entries, so spread the word. You can go to Mac's Twitter, at Eric MacLane, my Twitter, at Kelly Gramlich, and you can enter to win two club-level, that's right, tickets to the South Carolina, North Carolina, Duke's Mayo Bowl. 
Come on, KG. Guys, those will be pinned to our Twitter, so it's not like you have to go deep dive and search for these things. They'll be right on top. Just go to our profiles, and and like Kelly said, either one of us, just comment there. Unlimited entries. So the more we see you, the more likely you are to be picked in our random uh, generating machine here that probably will be an Excel spreadsheet. So it's a super easy way to do that. Uh, but we want you guys to go. So go get interacted with that. Check it out. It was posted Wednesday. There's still time. We will be deciding that on Sunday night, and then we'll tell the winner that following Monday. So we'll give you guys plenty of time to make your plans, get after that. But can't wait for somebody to uh, lucky lucky winners and go to the Duke's Mayo Bowl on Gramlick and McLean. That little Southern something that makes good things better, it's only in Duke's, guys. Duke's is delicious, not only on sandwiches, not only in salads, but it can be the key baking ingredient, the low-carb friendly, thick and creamy texture that has been trusted since way back in 1917. Over the past 100 years, Duke's has continued to cultivate and celebrate its commitment to family recipes and bold Southern flavors. In addition to the flagship mayonnaise, which is still made according to Mrs. Eugenia Duke's original recipe in Greenville, South Carolina, Duke's offers flavored mayonnaise, regionally inspired Duke's Southern sauces, and mustards. You guys have to check these out. Go to dukesmayo.com and embrace the new flavors with that same twang. Come on, KG. Well, let's dive right into it. We, we've been discussing these bowl games. We have the last three before the big episode, uh, and then we'll do a college football playoff and some New Year's Six stuff. Let's start with the Cheez-It Bowl. Mac, let's get into this bowl. Number 19, Clemson, 9-3 and three overall, trying to keep the 10-win streak alive that Eric McLean himself started back in 2011, taking on Iowa State, who's 7-5 and five on the year. This is a 5.45 p.m. game on ESPN December 29th. Iowa State is now a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Mac, there's so much to talk about here. Let's just start with that line, though. Clemson opened as a favorite. Do you think it has completely flipped because of all of this, some would say turmoil, Dabo would say this is just the natural progression, but because of all the change at Clemson? Kelly, 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 I feel so bad. For Iowa State. Oh, sure. no. Clemson's loss is AD. Clemson's loss is defensive coordinator. And it's OC. And now they're the underdog? I mean, guys, look out. A- am I being a homer? Sure. But this is just a fact. The last time that Clemson played in this bowl game, they also lost their OC. They were also the underdog. And guess how many points they won by? 34 and I was on that team, and we spanked <laughs> Oklahoma all night long. And I'm not saying that's going to happen again, but I'm just saying these guys are going to be so motivated. The, the players didn't leave. I don't think any players left. So at the end of the day, I know coaches get them in the position, but there's no coaches that's out on the field making tackles, throwing passes, catching passes, running the football. So I think it's fascinating. I think that this is probably the worst thing that could have happened for Iowa State, but Look out. I know Coach Sweeney doesn't look at lines or gambling or any of that stuff, but I may or may not have sent him that and just said, oh, this is interesting. You're an underdog. Congrats. (laughs) Something that our listeners might not know that I have learned over the past couple weeks, let's just say Mac and and Coach Sweeney have been texting a lot lately. (laughs) Mac and Dabo have been texting a lot. I don't know what that means. There's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to talk about. Mac's trying to get the the word from the horse's mouth, if you will. Okay, let's talk about these changes before we dive into the game. Uh, let's start on defense. Brent Venables off to Oklahoma, taking an awesome job. Of course, we've talked about that before. 
Dabo has announced that it will be Wes Goodwin and Mickey Kahn as co-defensive coordinators. Mac, you were at Clemson and, and had a lot of, not a lot of interaction because you're an offensive guy, but you know Wes Goodwin. So tell us what to expect from him. He's the guy that will call the plays. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what's interesting enough, KG, is, is you know, when you look at Coach Sweeney and, and everybody's like, man, you got to go get some big coordinator. You got to make a splash. You got to do this and that. And he's just like, no, man, I, I've had these decisions made for years. I, I've had this succession plan. And, and that's why I think people, you know, maybe just don't really understand about him is, is that his entire life, he he's kind of already plan things. And before he was a head coach, he knew what he was going to do when he was a head coach. Before he was you know, a coordinator, which that never happened, he knew what he was going to be as a coordinator. So he keeps that same mentality with his staff. And it's not that he's you know, planning the demise or planning guys moving on, but he has an emergency plan. He has his thoughts on, if this guy leaves, this is where we're going. If this guy leaves, this is the direction we're going. And he has you know, these guys in place that he trusts, that he has had to you know, earn their trust and put them in situations that it's almost a waiting game. And it's almost like, you know, hey, Wes, hey, hey, Kyle, who's another guy that's stepping up and getting a good opportunity. I know there might be some other things right now, but if you could just wait, if you can just be patient, you're my guy as soon as something opens up. And he's held true to that. So I think it's interesting how, you know, he said, you know, in his press press conference earlier this week, it took me 30 seconds to make these decisions. I already knew. It, it was just as soon as they happened, as soon as it was official, I called the guys and said, hey, this is what I want to do. Do you want to do it? So I, I think, you know, when you look at Wes, uh, the interesting thing hearing from Coach Sweeney's, you know, kind of press conference is that he will be the defensive coordinator. He will be the guy that calls the plays. And then Mickey Kahn will be the co-defensive coordinator. So I think that's maybe more of a, a title bump, a little bit of extra responsibility, but at the end of the day, Wes is the guy. And, and so mm-hmm. he is a genius. And, and I know like people want to see results first before we start throwing out all these, you know, nicknames and accolades and and deeming him, you know, one of the smartest people in the room. But KG, in all of my experiences, this guy is gonna be ready. And, and he just lives it, breathes it, sleeps. He went, he's dreaming about it. I mean, he is football and, and he is going to be so methodical. I, I think what's gonna be really fun to see the difference is. Like, I, I want to see him animated. I can't imagine that. Yeah. Like, if something goes wrong, I cannot imagine Wes Goodwin jumping up and down, screaming, freaking, like, he's just, But maybe know, that's a this, good thing. It, it right? could be, yeah. It, I mean, he, I think he's just this calm, silent killer at the end of the day. So <laughs> I, I am fascinated to see, or, or super excited to see what it is going to look like. I'm so excited. We don't have to wait a whole year. Like, we get it in the bowl game. Uh, like I couldn't imagine if this was happening in January and like the anticipation, the excitement, but we get to see it right now in, in personal. So for Clemson fans, for fans of the ACC, for football fans to see this next journey that Clemson is going to be on, you get a snapshot of it in the bowl game. And so what a great challenge. As you mentioned, and we mentioned Mickey Kahn, he'll be the de- co-defensive coordinator. Mike Reed getting a nice bump to special teams coordinator. And then Todd Bates, uh, coach was Man, he he was so, you know, just excited for Todd to you know get this new role. He he is going to be the defensive tackles coach, which he's been, and assistant head coach, which is a huge responsibility. And and he said, listen, Coach Bates is going to be a head coach sooner than later, and this is going to be a great you know opportunity for him to take on some new roles, some new responsibility, and you know he and I to really be step in step in in all the decisions that we make. So I thought that that was fantastic and a real testament, KG. 
you know, to what Todd Bates brings to this Clemson Tiger team. Well said, Mac. You know these guys, and and you know them better than pretty much anyone out there that's that's talking about this stuff. And Mac, what I found really interesting too is that they talked about how they'll have one guy in the box, one guy on the field, and that's what Clemson did with Jeff Scott and Tony. There's already a little bit of a blueprint for Clemson when they have these co-coordinators. That's so right. I think Jeff Scott and Tony really paved the way there. No, no question. And it will be interesting to see. At the end of the day, it sounded like, you know, Wes is is going to be the guy calling the plays and just what what does I mean, what does co mean? And if we find that out, maybe that's great. If not, you know, maybe it's just a share of responsibilities in in regards to game prep and getting ready for the week. But then when, you know, it's actual game time, Wes is is kind of the guy. So Will be fun to see that as things transition, but some changes on the offensive side of the ball as well, KG. You know, starting at the top, Brandon Streeter getting the nod for offensive coordinator. I don't think anybody who is close to the situation is shocked by that. Uh, Coach Streeter was an offensive coordinator before he came to Clemson and then has been really instrumental, you know, in the development of Deshaun Watson and 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 Trevor Lawrence. So seeing those guys, their development, and, and now for Coach Streeter to really take that next step. Kyle Richardson, a guy who has been there buying his time, waiting for an opportunity, came from the high school ranks uh, and, and was a very successful coach at Northwestern. Actually came in the same time as Mickey Kahn, um, but now that there's an opening, you know, he, he is getting the nod for the tight ends job uh, and will also serve as a passing game coordinator. So really interested to see that dynamic between the two of them. Kyle comes from a air raid offense is, is kind of a, a disciple of that, you know, style of play, which I think should be exciting for, you know, Clemson fans to get that vertical passing game going, uh, really utilize the tight end. Anytime that you have a, a coordinator at a position group, you get excited about that. Uh, so hitting and, and getting involved, those big tight ends will certainly be a fun part of the offense. So a lot of changes, a lot going on at Clemson. And that was a, a great rundown there. Let's talk about this game with Clemson and Iowa State, a matchup that has never happened before, which is fun. And you you talked about this, Matt. We've talked about this a lot, how Clemson's offense has evolved, and it's gotten so much better. You only have one scholarship quarterback in this game, and that's DJU. If something happens with him, you got a problem because Tyson Fumichon transferred. But it was really good to see the young running backs and the young wide receivers emerge for Clemson late. The two Collinses. They're not brothers, but they both are named Collins. And Will Shipley, Kobe Pace, Phil Maffa. We had Shipley on the podcast. He's incredibly impressive. It feels like Clemson has that momentum. And we'll talk about Iowa State. They are coming off a, a game where they blew out TCU, so they have momentum too. But it just feels like Clemson's peaking going into this bowl game. If, if the season was another month, they would be probably winning a lot of games in December. Yeah, I think that's the best way to look at it, KG, is that this team is is hitting its stride or hit its stride in November and is a completely different team than what they started the year offensively, the finding an identity, you know, running the football, the offensive line, you know, a, a terrible start. I mean, one of the worst starts that we've seen from this Clemson Tiger team, but they figured it out and, and down the stretch just really, really were much improved and played better uh, throughout. So when, when you look at that team, I mean, first couple of games, first, you know, up until the pit loss, we're averaging like 15 points a game. I mean, crazy, like historic lows, things that we have never seen from Clemson before since then, uh, averaging 36 points per a game, just a, a much more efficient team. You mentioned all those players, uh, the way that they have stepped up. I think the emergence of Bo and Dakari have been huge for DJ. I mean, just guys that 
have been reliable, guys that actually do catch the ball when thrown the ball, uh, and then what they can do after the catch has really been impressive. So I expect that we see more of the same from that. Uh, it, it will also be interesting to see, okay, how much progress will we see from Clemson with another month of practice? You know, a team that mm-hmm. hit its stride in November, peaked out 30 to zero point, you know, win to finish the season. And then where can they go from there? You know, wh- where do they go in this bowl game? So it's going to be fascinating to see. You can't wait to see it. And then the defense, just, you know, what this team looks like post Brett Venables, one of the best ever, maybe the best ever at what he does. And, and you know, people might not know the, the name Wes Goodwin yet and who he's going to be, what he's going to be like. But I promise you guys, he's been Venables' right-hand man for many, many years, and he's going to thrive. He's going to thrive in this defense all the players are still there. It's not this mass exodus of what are we going to do? It's still going to be Clemson defense. And, you know, at the end of the day, going to be really fun to see these next steps, this next journey, you know, for Clemson. One of the biggest things that I'm looking to see, and we'll talk about Iowa State, but offensively, you've had, as you mentioned, Mac, you're going to have a whole month to prep for this. You're going to be able to rep in practice with your healthy receivers, Bo and Dakari Collins are two guys that that check that box. You're going to have Davis Allen. You've got three backs to work with. I think this game is going to say a lot about DJU. I think you need to see a better performance from DJU. Now, if Clemson only has him throw the ball 15 times or whatever, that's fine. But you still need to see overall better play from him, I think, heading into the spring because Kate Klubnick's coming in. He's enrolling in January. He's going to enroll literally a couple days after this Cheez-It Bowl, and there's going to be a battle. So I think from a confidence standpoint, not just for himself, but also for his teammates. And this this will be the last game you remember going into the spring and then into the fall. This game is very important, I believe, for DJU. I don't think there's any question that th- this is a final audition for him. And, and not saying that you know it's over, that Kay's just going to be handed the job, but if you go into this game and have an abysmal performance, and as you said, Cade Klubnick or is coming even, in. Not even abysmal, just like still not right. good. Right, right. I, I mean, as you said, Cade's coming. He'll be there in five days yeah. after this game. And, and so that there is going to be a sense of urgency there and, and competition at an all-time high. You just would have to feel a little more confident, a little better if you were yeah. DJ and the surrounding characters, if you come into this game throw 250, a couple of touchdowns, and are very efficient moving the football. So it will be interesting to see. Um, you know, not going to be an easy tax. This is a pretty good defense in Iowa State, better than pretty good. They're, they're very good uh, and, and very good against the pass as well. So it's going to be a challenge uh, going against these guys. But, you know, you talk about momentum, you talk about excitement going into 22. You have a big performance here, and you're, you're feeling a lot better about it. Both of these teams have very good defenses. On the offensive side, you've got some very experienced guys for Iowa State. Brock Purdy, who's been at Iowa State for literal decades. Um, and then Brees Hall, who is a also baller. Been decades. <laughs> yes, has been there decades. The way I see this game, and, and Mac, I, I thought about this before I read your notes here. It really comes down to Brees Hall. I think if this guy, if he rushes for anywhere near that 150 mark, Clemson's probably losing. I mean, barring some crazy turnovers and stuff. But if you can hold him to 100 or less, it, it reminds me – now, look, Brock Purdy's a lot better than Garrett Schrader, but it a little, it reminds me a little bit of how you got to treat Sean Tucker. Like, you you have to single in on that guy, and if you're able to slow that guy down, you're going to feel good. 
Now, that's exactly right. I mean, when you, when you have a running back, a specialist Hall, who is a workhorse, like he is going to be, you know, toting that football. When you see his career, the things that he's been able to do for this team, it, it's just, it's so impressive. And the way that he can do it. I mean, you, you look at this team, that they're rushing statistics. They have 390 rushes, 390. He has 253 of them. Like he is the guy. He is the guy that does everything. The next closest is the quarterback. The next running back has 23 rushes. He has 253. The next closest is 23. So he's the offense. The offense goes as he goes. And and certainly Brock Purdy is more than capable of, of, you know, beating guys with his arm, but He's only had one or two, I think two, 300-yard passing games this season. So it's not like they're relying on him to you know, win a football game, be the guy, and throw up all these yards. So if you contain Hall, if you're able to get him on the ground, not a chunk runs, you feel really good about your situation. Good luck, Wes Goodwin, in your first game. <laughs> yep, <laughs> exactly. And Clemson did announce that Balen Specter, one of the starting linebackers, will not play in this game due to injury. So that's another aspect. We know linebackers super important in stopping the run. So who's going to step up there? And can Skowski, Skowski's going to play, can Skowski really direct that group? Yeah, and that was, you mentioned, you know, Spectre not being able to play, had surgery, going to end his season, and he's moving on. The interesting thing, I thought that we would see some opt-outs from Clemson, whether there was a yeah. Andrew Booth, a Mario Goodrich. Not so far. Yeah, not so far. Not so far we haven't. And, and Coach Sweeney, again, in his press conference said, hey, look, yeah, we, we don't have any opt-outs. So I, I have to think that he's at least met with guys and, and has you know kind of an idea of that. So it will be really interesting to see you know who's available, who shows up, and who's ready to go. The key is stopping the run, really on both sides. Right. I, I would say for Iowa State, the key that's to the their game key, right, is don't let the other team run. That, that's just what it comes yeah. down to at the end of the day. That you know, two teams that have, have found their identity in that Iowa State more so developed and established as a running team. Clemson kind of figuring that out. You know, the last five six you know games of the season, that's what they want to do. Uh, but you're exactly right. At the end of the day, whoever has the least amount of rushing yards probably losing the football game. Yeah. I would agree. All right, we'll give our picks in our Seaside Grown Picks segment later on in the show. Let's get to the next game here, the Gator Bowl. The bowl that a lot of people thought Clemson might end up in, but Wake Forest ends up here. Number 17, Wake Forest, taking on Texas A&M. Wake is 10-3 and overall, A&M 8-4. 11 a.m., whew, 11 a.m. kick on ESPN, December 31st, New Year's Eve in Jacksonville. So that's a 10 a.m. local time kick for A&M. A&M's a five-point favorite. Quick update on A&M, as I have been researching the Ags here. (laughs) Zach Calzada, the quarterback, as I like to call him, Calzone, he is transferring. He is leaving. He is not playing in the Gator Bowl. Isaiah Spiller, their really good running back, is opting out of the Gator Bowl to go to the NFL draft. Mike Elko, their defensive coordinator, is now with Duke, so he's not coaching in the Gator Bowl. And when you think about, okay, well, Calzone is gone, then who's going to play quarterback? You'd think, well, is Haynes King healthy, their big five-star guy that they had come in? He's not healthy yet. Jimbo said it would be quite the stretch to expect him to play. So they will go with Blake Boast, the walk-on quarterback who we all thought was going to have to go in the game when Calzone got hurt against against Alabama, and we were all praying and worried for this kid. He is now going to have to play against Wake Forest. So Wake is, is not having any issues that we know of when it comes to opt-outs, injuries, all that stuff. No one's opting out at Wake. This is a huge bowl game for them. And A&M has all of this chaos. 
There you go, Mac. I'm setting you up there with all of that. <laughs> well, listen, I mean, A&M already was, was not some you know high-power rocket launcher offense, and now they're losing two of their biggest weapons in, in quarterback and running back. So you've got to think, okay, Wake Forest is, is feeling good. Like, we, we score a bunch right. of points. Can these guys keep up? You know, what, what was kind of a rocky finish to Wake Forest season, you know, two and three in their last five, defense giving up a ton of points. It shouldn't be as big of a problem this game in regards to the points. The defense should be able to step up. This is a huge game for Wake Forest from a perception standpoint, from a culture-building yep. standpoint, and, of course, momentum going into 22. So when you look at this team, this Wake Forest team, um, a lot to play for and a lot to be excited about. I think one of my biggest you know, kind of concerns or question marks, KG, is – you know, what did they learn from the Clemson and Pitt game? You know, I, I asked that time and time again about, you know, the Clemson game going into the ACC championship, and we saw kind of more of the same. I didn't see too many adjustments from Wake Forest. This is going to be a very physical defense, a defense that has bodies, that has NFL talent that maybe they play, maybe they opt out, uh, but they're going to challenge you up front. So what are you going to do? Because I feel like Wake Forest has to be able to move the ball running it in some form or fashion, you know, whether it's going to be difficult or not, you have to find some type of success just because that's who you are. You're so balanced. You want to be Mm -hmm. balanced. You want to have that balance. And then ultimately you have to protect Sam Hardman. I mean, when, when you look at the, the sacks that were given up against Clemson against Pitt, it, it was a ton. And these guys can get after the quarterback. Again, I mentioned some big body types for Texas A&M got to get after your guy and make things happen. You do. And you know, Mac, you bring up, protecting Sam Hartman, from what I can see, from what I've read, I don't think the Aggies are having that many opt-outs, if any, defensively. So they're still going to be able to get after the quarterback. And Wake has to prove. You, you kept bringing it up with Pittsburgh and with Clemson, with those D-lines. Could they protect Hartman? And they did not do a good job against Clemson. They did not do a good job against Pitt. Let's see if they can do a better job against A&M. And the other thing, too, Mac, the ACC championship was really not the blowout that the score showed because it just, and and I, okay, you're making a face and I get that. Hartman was uncharacteristically bad. Like Wake was in the game for the entire first half, in the game at the beginning of the third, and then he throws three picks. Yeah, sure, yeah. It, it ended the game. Yeah. It ended it. So I still think Pitt wins. I still think Pitt was better, but Wake was not that much worse than Pitt. Yeah, That's the way I, I agree. I mean, I agree with you, but it, it is hard to look at when you, okay, we look at, the Clemson score, lopsided. We look at the Pitt score, lopsided. So now it's like, okay, we're playing another physical team. Can we elevate our play? Can we elevate decision-making? Can we be the team that we were against North Carolina, even though we lost? The team against NC State at home that won. So can we play at that type of level and get a big W? I mean, there's no question that this is is a perception game. This is a game that people are going to look at and say, Okay, the second best team in the ACC got beat or beat a middle pack, middle tier SEC team like that. That's where it comes right, to play. Without some of their best players, exactly. And so that's where this game matters. And so you know, Wake Forest, go out there, fly the flag, baby. Let's go. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Okay, let's get to the Sun Bowl. Two seven and five teams. Oh, man. Are there any programs that have had more turmoil 
than both of these programs, Miami <laughs> versus Washington State. You had Washington State lose their coach midseason because he wouldn't get the vaccine. Then you had Miami and, and their athletic directors fired midseason. Manny Diaz is on the chopping block forever. Finally does get chopped, and they bring in Mario Cristobal, and he's not coaching this game. Jess Simpson, the D-line coach, is the interim head coach. So that's an odd situation. I assume Cristobal will be there, but I also don't know for sure. This is a noon game on CBS, New Year's Eve. Miami is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Tyler Van Dyke is playing. He has been balling. Six straight games with 300 or more passing yards and three-plus three, and three plus touchdowns. One difference, Mac, he doesn't have Charleston Rambo. Rambo is opting out. So I think that's a factor, but... Overall, when you look at this game, I know there's been a lot of chaos at Miami. Do you feel like they can stabilize the situation enough and just focus on this football game? You know, I, I would hope so. And, and again, at the end of the day, you, you're looking at these players and you say, okay, we're doing this for us. We're, we're doing this as a team. Our right. last run for this particular 2021 team, how do we want to be remembered? And, and when you look at Miami, I mean, outside of Clemson, you know, they might be one of the hottest teams in the conference. These guys just figured it out the, yeah. the way that they won, you know, the last five of the six games. And as you mentioned, Tyler Van Dyke, I mean, just a, a different dude. And I mean, honestly, going into next season, is he going to be pronounced, you know, kind of dubbed as the best quarterback in the league? I, I don't know. It's going to be fascinating to see kind of as we see the bowl season, as we see guys go through spring, you know, where do those guys kind of line up? I, I can just hear the NC State fans saying, you hate Devin Leary. What are you talking about? Devin Leary is yeah. going to be the guy. Hold up, hold so up. It, it, Devin Leary. Right. Devin that's Leary right. has something to say. Brennan Armstrong. That's, oh, Brennan. How did I forget Brennan? It's going to be interesting. Yeah, it's going to be Sam interesting. Sam Yule Hartman. Sam Howe might come back. We don't know. Who knows? DJ, you might step up. Uh, that's maybe wishful thinking. We'll see. Malik Cunningham. Malik Cunningham. The, the league is so deep. All right, we're, we're going to have to do a whole episode on quarterbacks because we there's really a million should. of them. I can't wait to break it down. But, you know, just when I look at this game, it's a super weird situation, Kelly. And, and the fact of like, are all the position coaches there? Have some other guys right. taken jobs? Manny Diaz is the D coordinator at Penn State. Like, who's involved? Who's not? It, it, it does stink. And, you know, luckily enough for myself, I never had to go through something as, as a mass exodus as a, as a head coach being fired. But I can't imagine how strange that is for those guys. So I'm hoping, you know, leadership, player leadership rises. Guys like TVD bring this team together, figure it out, and, and just get through this. And then who knows what 22 looks like. I mean, I think that there is going to be super, super serious top 10 hype for Miami going mm. into 22. I mean, with the coaching hire, with the athletic director hire, and then having one of the best quarterbacks in the country that is like the fifth best in the ACC – is something that I think people are going to go crazy with. I think there's going to be a lot of hype for Miami 22. Oh, yeah. And the hype train can leave the station earlier if they win this sure, game. Sure, exactly. No doubt about it. The thing with this game, and we'll get to our picks later, I feel like Washington State, so when you look at the last two games for both of these teams, they both played teams that had effectively given up on the season, and they won. So, Washington State beat Arizona and Washington. Miami beat Virginia Tech and Duke. Okay, great. Washington State, I just feel like against their schedule, even though Miami did beat Pittsburgh, Washington State has hung with some of these really good teams. They had a very good chance to beat BYU. They're very much a pass-first team. I think these teams are similar yeah. in a lot of ways. They've hung with some good teams. They have some head-scratching losses. 
They're both coming off two wins each where they beat nobodies. So it's who's going to show up. And perhaps, Mac, it comes down to which quarterback plays. Back. Right, which, I mean, go ahead and book all the money on TVD. Come on. That's our king. You think so? Let's go. Delora, Delora is a, a good quarterback for De La Washington Who? State. De La Who? <laughs> TVD. Come on. <laughs> Mac, my other question with this game, has there ever been a bowl game played between two teams that are further apart geographically <laughs> Then Washington State. This has to be it. And Miami. Hey, unless uh, we're going to meet up in the uh, in, in the Sun Bowl in Texas, in the middle of the in country. El Paso. So that's at least fair. It's probably the exact same from each other in regards to travel distance. We'll have our research department kind of figure that out for us. But uh, seem, seems okay, wait, fair. Okay, I'm seems looking fair. at. I don't know if you could hear me typing. Mac, I want you to guess. Okay, before. Oh my gosh, it gave me the wrong thing. Hold on. <laughs> hold on. Pause. Pause. It's El Paso. Okay, I want you to guess, Mac, I want you to guess, the distance between Pullman, Washington, and Miami, Florida. Hold on, between those two? Give me a guess. Mm Mm-hmm. 4,200 miles. Okay, relatively close. 3,075 miles. close, that's within 500. 3,000 miles. It would take you 46 hours to drive. (laughs) <laughs> that is incredible. How long did you say? How many hours? 46 hours. That's how far apart these two institutions are. All right, are. guys, we're going to make it's a crazy. little bet here. If Washington State wins, Kelly, I think that we have to make the trip. We're going oh to fly to Miami, and then we're going to drive to Washington State, and we're going to do podcasts the entire way. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> think of the podcast bonding that we will have on you know, the we'll, we'll take Khaki. We'll take Nick. And it's just going to be – we rent like a uh, – an airstream, an no, an airstream, and oh. we make it happen. Oh, we have a great, great podcast trip. See, I'm with you, Mac. I also believe <laughs> that God invented planes for a reason. Sure, sure. That is a trap. Yeah, but you need to see the flyover also, states in person. Come on. Yeah, true. I may or may not be picking Washington State, so <laughs> I'm a little worried about this. Okay, give me, give me your key here for my end. Uh, it's, it's super simple, and uh, you know when, when you, you talk about quarterback play. I think, as I said, our king, Tyler Van Dyke, goes crazy. I, I really do. I, I think he has a heck ton of yards, ton of touchdowns. A heck And ton. just continues to do what he's done all season long when he had the whole playbook. The one interesting thing, and, and I should have mentioned this earlier, the fact that Rhett Lashley is not there will be interesting. He's at SMU. He's the head coach now. Who's going to be calling plays? What does the, the relationship look like there? That will be interesting. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think talent kind of supersedes. Maybe they just let Tyler call the offense. I don't know. You know, just let him go out there and do whatever he wants. It will be interesting indeed, Mac. It will be. <laughs> we shall see who I That's pick. right. All right, KG. Well, in the spirit of this holiday season, we are going to be picking so many games as we have already done. Uh, and, and not just games. We have some prop bets. So, But before we make our picks, the seaside-grown fresh picks of the week, Tell our listeners about our great partner. Listen, guys, it's bowl season. There is a ton of opportunity to home gate, and we've got games going on all day, every day. So let Seaside Grown help you get ready for game day. Start your home gate off right with Seaside's award-winning Bloody Mary mix. It's super simple. Just add your spirit of choice, and all the other flavors are there. No adding this or that necessary. Just pour, shake, garnish, drink, and repeat all day. And Mac. 
put it in your chili. <laughs> That's right, KG. And listen, if you're looking for more than Bloody Mary mix, there are 18 other True Field to Glass Seaside Grown products that are made from fresh produce Seaside grows locally or that they get from other American farms that they partner with. Those products are then bottled in Seaside's very own commercial packing facility. By doing this, they provide unprecedented traceability for consumers that they know exactly where their food is grown and then where their bottles come from. Guys, do yourself a favor. Go to SeasideGrown.com, browse their amazing products, and when you're done, you load up your cart, check out, use our code ACC15 to save 15% on your entire order. All right, Mac, let's pick these games. We've chatted enough. The Cheez-It Bowl, number 19 Clemson versus Iowa State. December 29th, Iowa State's a one-and-a-half-point favorite. What's your pick, Mac? Guys, if you want to make a lot of money here, listen to everything I say. Clemson is going to steamroll these guys. The disrespect, <laughs> the underdog. If I'm wrong, I'll tell you I'm wrong, but I just have a feeling these guys are going to be out and trying to kind of scorch earth and kind of like, okay, all this talk all year long, we're going to show you all the deal. So I'm taking the over. Uh, because I think Clemson actually correct that. I'm going to take the under because I don't think Iowa State's going to score a lot. So the, you know, for both teams to score, but I think Clemson rolls. Okay, I think Clemson rolls too. I would take Clemson plus one and a half. I'm not sure it's a scorched earth situation, but I do think Clemson wins by mm, seven or ten. That's that's the way I would okay. put it. A but good I'll game, take, uh, Clemson a fun game, plus one a and spirited and game. Yeah. Spirit are you taking the over-under? I'm making you pick. I don't know why you people are that scared of the over-under. Jordan Cornette, he's such a degenerate. He hates over-unders. I don't know why. I hate over-unders, too. I'm, I am I care so much more about the spread. And the spread is so much more uh, secure to me. Yeah, that's great. Over With all under, that said, oh, what do you pick? <laughs> that is a low number. I don't think Clemson is, is hit the over, number. but maybe once this year. So, you know, All there's right, an under. educated pick. If I have to pick, under. <laughs> okay, let's do our prop bets, Mac. Clemson's defense holds Iowa State to 99 rushing yards over or under. This is the scorched earth part. Under. <laughs> How crazy. I just, I just feel it. I just feel it. Listen, these guys are going to go nuts. I, I think they're going to get sacks, which is negative yardage. That goes backwards. And I okay, don't, true. I think they're going to lock in. I just think that they're going to learn from that Syracuse game where, you know, we, we saw our guy, Sean Tucker, have one or two big runs and that got him to like 150. And they're going to say, we're not letting that happen. And I think they hold them to sub 99 yards, which is nuts. I can't believe I'm saying that. The sack yardage is a great point. So Brees Hall could end up with like 102 or something, but okay. The sack yardage, you may have convinced me. You may have convinced me. I'm going to say under. <laughs> Xavier Thomas is playing. That's what he said. We're going right. to be on cold take exposed. I can't bet. wait. I can't yeah, we wait. Are. Yeah, we are. Our second prop bet, DJU throws for over under one and a half tutties. This is so hard. I don't know. I, this I is think hard. I'm going over. I'm going to say two. Two seems like a nice, wholesome number. But I would not be surprised at all if Clemson just runs it a billion times. I'm going to say over. I think DJ is a little bit more polished. He has his guys. He has a month with these guys of just – you know, no school, straight football, and I think that helps. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go over, but it's it's I'm going to hook over. I'm going at two. The answer is under. It's under. I think. I think Clemson's going to run the heck out of the ball, and that's really that's all you need to know. I'm not mad at you. All right, Gator Bowl, Mac. 
Gator Bowl. Number 17, Wake Forest versus number 25, Texas A&M. 11 a.m. ESPN, New Year's Eve. A&M is a five-point favorite, even though they don't have any of their guys. At, they don't have their quarterback or their running back. I, I would actually be interested to see how much this changed. I bet it hasn't really been you know, reflected since. And you guys will hear this a little bit later, and, and maybe the line is affected. It's still at five right now when we're recording this. I think that line moves. All of that information has also made me think that Texas A&M is not going to be able to score the football. So with that in mind, KG, I don't feel good about this at all. Just because I've seen this story before, I've seen these matchups, ACC loses. I think Wake Forest does it. Because of those things that we just learned. If those guys were playing, I'm picking Texas A&M. Right. Because they're not, I'm taking Wake. I think Wake has too much offense. I think they're able to score. I think they're able to do it. And they win the football game. I'm taking them. And I'm probably taking the under. A lot of unders already. This is weird. 57 and a half. It feels like I, I would lean under. I would definitely take Wake to cover. To your point, if Calzone is playing, if Isaiah Spiller is playing, I'm taking A&M. But I can't just ignore that. It's kind of like last year in the A&M North Carolina game. Michael Carter. Michael Quarter. Michael Quarter. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. Michael Carter, Javante Williams. All these guys didn't play. That was a huge difference maker. So because those guys are opting out, I'm going to go with Wake. Ooh. Here are our prop bets, Mac. I know, I'm nervous. Wake will score over under 27 and a half points. Oh, so you're probably wondering, KG, where did this number come from? How did Eric create this? And so what I did is I took Wake's average, I took Texas A&M's defensive average, and I met in the middle at 27 and a half. Look at you, so smart. And so I'm thinking, okay, is that a good number? I think Wake goes over. I think the offense figures it out. I think they want to prove a point. I think they want to have some, you know, just some success going into this, you know, 22 season. So I'm going over with the points. Oh, man. I do think it's over because, look, you they would have gone over this number against Pitt if they don't have a pick fest. So <laughs> I, I do think it's over there. A&M's going to find a way to score some points just because of this Wake defense. So on the flip side, I do think A&M will score some. The third one here, Mac, Wake will rush for over under 150 yards on the ground. This one might not be as crazy as it seems, guys. When you see Wake Forest, they're balanced. They want to be balanced. They average, you know, right at 162 yards per game. They want to run the ball marginally. Texas A&M has given up a little bit of a run. They're giving up 135 yards a game. So with that said, I think Wake finds a way to run the football. I also think that's a way that they score over 27 and a half points. So I'm going over, KG. I'm going over 150. I like what you're saying. I think Wake, we we know, of course, they want to run it. I think they'll be able to run it a decent bit. I still think they'll be under 150 yards. I understand. They're still going to run it somewhat effectively. Effectively enough to win the game. <laughs> Who's your leading rusher? CBS? But not Sam super Hartman? effectively. Who, who do you think does it? Oh. I think the leading rusher is CBS. I think it is Christian Bill Smith when it's all said and done. I do too. I do too. All right, last game. the The latest ACC game. The Sun Bowl. Miami, Washington Bowl. State, noon, CBS, December 31st. Miami, minus two and a half, over under is 60 kg. Hit me with it. All right, Mac, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I'm taking Washington State, and I don't feel good about either of these teams. So I'm taking the ones that 
arguably have more stability, even though their coach left them mid-season. What a weird thing to say. Because he wouldn't get <laughs> the vaccine. What a crazy thing to say. What are we talking about? But it's not, it's not even the Manny Diaz part, Mac, and you brought it up. It's the Rhett Lashley part. Rhett Lashley has been the TVD whisperer. And I still think TVD is going to be a great quarterback, but that's a lot to go through for a young quarterback. And you don't have Charleston Rambo, who is his favorite target. So, and Washington State can score. They have a good passing offense. They have played well against good competition this year. So I think Washington State comes 1,500 miles, and Miami comes 1,500 miles, and I think Washington State wins the game. So I would take Washington State plus 2.5. Do you think, you know, pre- game when they're doing the coin flip both quarterbacks have to wear like a 10 gallon hat and spurs and cowboy boots. oh i'm sure they do that at the sun ball and then they and do like forget. 10 paces and like turn around whoever can throw the football <laughs> like and knock duel. off the <laughs> knock off the hat wins <laughs> that's a great idea by the way you should, should be in charge time. of the sun bowl tony the tiger will also be there big fan big fan of tony <laughs> anyway i'm going miami of course i am tvd is the goat i'm taking him i'm taking the over I think, yeah. Uh, but the Rhett Lashley, the Rhett Lashley thing certainly concerns me. It certainly does. And with that in mind, KG, I have some prop bets that might just be totally shut down because of the lack of Rhett Lashley. TVD throws over under 365 yards, which has been his average this like six game stretch. It has, it has, but no Rambo. I'm gonna say under. Oh, don't do don't it. hate me. I'm going what over. Do you say? I'm going over. Okay. He's he's is going to make a push for QB one going into the offseason. He's going to do that with the lasting performance. They're all just like, this guy's a genius. How does he do it? With that in mind, TVD over under 3.5 touchdown passes. That's a big number. I should have said 2.5. That felt <laughs> easy. So I'm going 3.5. I'm going under as well. Of course, you're picking him to lose. What else would you do? I'm going over. I'm going four. He's doing four Max or bad. more. I'm a little upset right now that you're picking the freaking Washington State Cougars. Are you kidding the me? The Cougars. Against our our Hurricanes, KG. That's unbelievable. Look, I'm rooting for Miami. I'm rooting for him, but I'm just trying to be right. I understand. I understand. We need to tally this up. We need to tell the people who's winning this. I think you I've probably – Oh, you do. You're ready. Well, I have the all of our ball picks written down. We do uh, need to go back. Too. Oh, man. We were counting and – we lost track with each of our seven jobs <laughs> at some point, but I do need to go count. I think we can we can take the bowl the bowl contest, and we'll see. Okay. So really, the difference will be Virginia Tech, Maryland, UVA, SMU, <laughs> Washington State, Miami. Basically, the games where I didn't pick the ACC team. That will wait. Be did I pick all ACC teams? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm such a homer. I said I wasn't going to do that. I didn't well, even know that I did it. <laughs> Mike, that's okay. It's what I'm you picking, thought. Well, unless thought. Kenny doesn't play, I'm not picking Pitt. If Kenny plays, right. of course I'm picking them. Wow, man, what a homer. And, you know, guys, we just went 0-6 in the ACC last year. So, you know, we can only go up from here. What could uh, go wrong? Yeah, what could go wrong? Guys, as we mentioned, we will be off all next week, Christmas break. Hope you guys have an awesome Christmas, a great holiday season. Enjoy it with your families. And then we are back Monday, December 27th for the biggest episode of the year, the Duke's Mayo preview show with all the guests you can think of. It's going to be so much fun, but that's it guys. Thank you all for listening to another great episode of Gramlich and Mac Lane brought to you by our great friends at Duke's Mayo. If you haven't already go over to iTunes, follow our podcast, drop us a little five-star rating or write us a review. We would greatly appreciate that, but until next time, we'll see y'all.